You know what, we, we get this. It's so often the church has done really poorly at talking about money. I mean, we, we, we own that. We, we understand that. And, and this morning, you know, I've heard things of people say, you know, if they talk about money, I'm leaving. Well, please don't leave. Just bear with me, you know, um, because we really, we really just know that God's got a, got a really just incredible um, opinion and view on, on money, and we want to be helpful in that, and we want to honor God with that. And I know you want to honor God with that. So before I go any further, let me pray. Father, I thank you for, to, for, for today and just for, Lord, I thank you that you have designed us to hear your voice. And we're asking God, would you speak to each of us? Lord, you, you, you know exactly what's in our hearts. You know what, what we Would you meet us? And Lord, I thank you for every single person in this room that, Lord, we would know just the blessing of what it is to have a loving dad that provides and cares for us and lavishes us with grace and with mercy. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the reality is that um, I don't want your money, okay? Okay, the church doesn't want your money. God doesn't need your money, but he does want your heart. And really the series is about speaking to the heart. It's absolutely 100% about speaking to the heart. Um, and this is why God is interested in your relationship with money and my relationship with money. You see, some of us aren't aware of this, but there's a battle for your heart. There's a battle for your heart. And Jesus said these words, he says, where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be. And the truth is that he's not the only one who's after your heart. There's this other guy, this other guy. And, and this, might be new, this might be news to you, or maybe this might not be, but, but let God speak into your heart this morning. There's this guy, and his name is called Mammon, okay? And Jesus said this, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. And you might say, a God of money? Who's the God of money? You thought maybe it was you because you own the checkbook in the house, or... Do we even have those anymore? Anyway, you've got the zapper code. I don't know. No, there's, there's a God over money. There's something working that we don't see that when we understand this, it helps us to step into freedom and blessing. And this God's name is Mammon. It's a demonic spirit. It's, it's, it's the spirit behind money. And in other translations, it goes like this. You cannot serve God and Mammon. And what Jesus is saying is he's not saying you shouldn't. Okay, he's not saying you shouldn't serve God and this false God called Mammon. He's saying it's impossible to serve Jesus and this false God called Mammon. And um, the reason money is such a sensitive subject, I mean, even as I speak about it, I, you, you feel the, like the atmosphere in the room change, okay? And it's okay. But there's a reason why it does, and it's a reason why money is such a sensitive topic. And, and some of us think it's only in church that we're uncomfortable talking about money, but we forget that how many of you know if you want to have a nice, romantic, peaceful evening in your house, don't pull out the budget with your wife or your husband. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> okay, why is it when we talk about money, it's, it's just always a bit scratchy and edgy and contentious. It doesn't matter where it is. When you get people around and we start talking about our personal finance, things get a little bit uncomfortable, a little bit edgy. And the reason is, is because there's more going on than what meets the eye. And so often we push in it this way and that way and we think it's, it's, just, it's just cash. Well, money is just that, but there's more going on. There's more going on behind the scenes. And you see, 
Maybe let me speak about it. Let me give you this example. M- many years ago, I was, I was, I was leading a church, and, and there was a guy that was, was coming um, to our church on and off, and I heard this, this report that he was really angry with me, and he, he had thrown out a whole lot of accusations that just didn't make sense to me. I, I thought, I hardly know you. I don't know where these come from. So I called a friend. I said, let's go and visit him and find out what's going on. And um, so I went with this friend, and as we sat down in the lounge, I'll never forget that he was in the corner, and he was in his chair. You know, like men often have their chair, you know. Like no one else sits in, like it's, it was his chair, clearly. And, and he was blaming me because his wife had left him. I hardly knew his wife. Um, I didn't know any of the details, and he was angry about all sorts of things. And so I said to him, talk to me about these accusations. And as I began to speak to him, I just saw his face go red. And you can see his blood pressure just started to skyrocket. And he started to shout and swear. I thought I was back in the army. It was just like proper, like that kind of language. And he just went off at me and he, he got really aggressive. Rich was on the end of his chair and he was just going for it. And I was a bit concerned about my friend was going to get up and, you know, I thought, you know, if this guy gets up, I'm going to have to meet him in the middle of the lounge. You're like, nah, like what's the pastoral response, you know? Like, do you go hard? Do you duck? You know, what do you do, you know? So... <laughs> You know, I grew up in the, I'm the youngest in the family. If you don't get the first one, then good, you don't get any in. So, like, this is going through my mind. And um, anyway, yeah, thank you, Jesus, that God saved both of us from that. Um, but as, as he was going, I said, God, what's going on here? Because this doesn't add up. And God just dropped this thing on my heart. He said, Ask him about his dad, ask him about his father. And while he's shouting and swearing and threatening and just like just about to explode, I thought he was going to, like, like self-destruct. I said, listen, just hang on a sec. Tell me, tell me about your dad. What's, this, what's up with you? And when I said it, he just stopped immediately. And he was dead quiet and he looked at me. And then I saw these tears well up and he just broke. He actually fell off the chair and onto the floor and he just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And we were able to comfort him and counsel him and pray, pray with him and, and, and really just help him. You see, his anger was fueled by a fear and a hurt of a broken relationship with his father. It had nothing to do with, with me or anyone else, but he didn't, he didn't know that this anger towards people in, in positions of authority and this anger towards kind of father-type figures were, was, was, came from there. He thought it was me. He thought it was normal to, to shift that, 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 that blame. And here's the thing. For many of us in the room... The reason we get uncomfortable when we talk about money, the reason why we get offended with the church, the reason why we get angry with, with, with our spouse, the reason why we, we, we got an issue with our boss because we think he should pay us more, the reason we feel guilty and condemned in many situations about money is not because of any of those things, but it's because we've had a broken or we have a broken relationship with money. And we don't know why that emotion rises. We don't know why we have such a short fuse with it. But it's because we, we're responding and living out of this broken relationship with money. And here's the truth, that this, this God, this false God of money, mammon, has got nothing good planned for you. Nothing good planned for you. His primary purpose is to turn your heart away from God. His, he has a master. His master is the devil, Satan. And he came to kill, to destroy, and to steal. And that's the plan. That's his objective. You see, he wants to secure your worship, your love, your affection, and your service. And he does it by, get, by pre- presenting and lying and deceiving us to place a false value upon money. Where we think that money is power. Paul writes to his understudy Timothy and he says this, Loving, loving money is the first step towards all kinds of troubles. 
Some people run after it so much that they have given up their faith, craving more and more pushes them away from the faith into error, compounding misery in their lives. Many of us have done this. Many of us see this take place. You see, mammon, this false god, will influence and does influence. And, and, and if, if this is influencing us, here are some of the ways that we might recognize it. When we live with a, with a worry and an anxiety around money, that's not from God. And many of us live with this. We either live with a fear and an anxiety and a worry that we're never going to have enough. And we're trying to do everything we can to make sure that we've got enough. Or we have a lot and we're so worried that we're going to lose what we have. That's not from God. That's the influence of mammon. When we find ourselves constantly mismanaging our finances, when we're constantly in financial lack, when we have enough but we still feel like we can't afford to spend, and when somebody in the family spends, it really just ticks us off and it causes all sorts of um, conflict, you know, when we've actually got enough but we, it, it, there's no freedom, there's no freedom in that. You see, money makes a great servant, it makes a great slave, it makes a terrible master. And this spirit of mammon, this, this false god, wants to enslave us, wants us to serve money instead of money serving us. Some of the other influences look like this. We, we, we get into impulsive buying and stinginess and greed and discontentment, inability to get out of personal debt. You know what I've learned about personal debt? For most of us, if, if you had to look at my personal debt when I'm struggling, you'd be able to sort it out in no time. And if I was to look at yours, you've already sorted out no time. But when I look at my own, there seems to be a blindness. Have you noticed that? We just like, can't quite make that decision or can't quite follow through. It's because of this. There's more going on. Like the guy in the lounge, they're real emotions, they're real feelings, and they, and they seem to make sense at the time. But we, but we find ourselves in a deception. We find ourselves enslaved. And we have irrational, exaggerated responses. Friends, I want to say this. I made a decision years ago. God put this in my heart. Never to live in reaction to anything, but to live in response to God's leading and His guiding. You see, when we're living in reaction to things, it'll always put us into fear. It'll always put us into bondage. It'll always put us into conflict. And many of us, we don't like this, so we're running to the other extreme. And God said, hang on, neither of those lead to life. And this is what mammon will do. You see, there's nothing wrong with money in itself, is it? Money is amoral. It has no moral value. It's just, it's a tool. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing good about it, nothing bad about it. It's not a means in itself, okay? It's not the end. It is a means to an end, but here's the thing. You and I are not the end either. God gives us money, and He gives us the ability to, to, to generate that for a purpose that's bigger than us, and to be able to add value to others, Yes, to enjoy what we have. And so many of us here, this is my heart with this series. As I've been praying for us and I've been wrestling through with this thing with God, my, my heart, I believe it's God's heart, is that He just wants you to experience freedom. He just wants to enjoy what He's given you with absolute freedom. You see, it's our attitude towards money and our relationship with money that reveals where our heart is. Isn't that true? So how do we get free of this influence? If what I'm saying is true, and maybe you're a Christ follower, maybe you're not, but if I, what I'm saying is true, that there's more going on, and you'll know there's more going on in your heart, whether, whether you 
believe it's this or not, there's more going, there's, more, there's always more going on when it comes to money. How do we, how do we live in freedom from that? How do, we, how do we step out of it? Well, here's the thing, the key issue here is who is my source? Who is my source? You see, this, this, this God of, of money will continually attempt to convince us that the real powerful life is in money. And the channel through which it comes is, is me, or my work, or the economy, or something else, when actually, when actually our source is God. And he's an inexhaustible source. In other words, if I've accepted in my heart that my employer or my spouse or, or my investments or, or, or whatever, some other vehicle that God uses to provide for us, if, if, if I've accepted that that's my source, what I've done is I've submitted myself to this, this God of money. And you know what? It'll enslave me. It'll enslave me. And I will not live with the freedom and the joy that God has purposed for me to have around finance. You see, everything belongs to God. Everything. He made it, including you. Everything belongs to God. And he's entrusted so much to us. But let's go back to that scripture in Matthew. Jesus says, how could you worship two gods at the same time? You will, you'll have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't worship the true, the true God while enslaved to the God of money. But then he carries on. Jesus says this, this is why I tell you to never be worried about your life, for all that you will need, all you need will be provided, such as food, water, clothing, everything your body needs. Isn't there more to life than a meal? Isn't your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. Do you think they worry about their existence? They don't plant or reap or store up food, yet your heavenly Father provides them each with food. Aren't you much more valuable to your Father than they are? What is Jesus saying? He's saying your God will provide. He provides for the, for the birds, for these little sparrows, for these, and, and, and you're worth way more. You see, two things that birds don't do is they don't sow and they don't reap. They don't store up in barns. Jesus disconnected our provision from our work, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't work. I'm not saying we shouldn't sow and reap and save. No, absolutely, those, are, those are all principles that we are to live by, but they're not our source. They're not our source. God is our source. They're not the source of our provision. You see, you can't do anything to earn God's provision. He's your dad. And he provides for you for one reason and one reason alone, just simply because he's your dad and you're his child. When my kids were little, they'd never wake up worrying about what meal they were going to get next because they knew that dad would provide. Why? Because I love them and because I could. And here's the thing. God loves you and he can provide. Provision comes to you by God's grace. And there's only one reason that we need to be confident in that, and that's just simply because of who God is and because who we are in relation to God. You see, if this river around provision is not clear in our hearts, we will try and earn his provision by sowing and by tithing and by giving. And, and those are all good things, but they're for a different purpose. Then our starting point is provision. You see, God blesses us before we've done anything. God provides for us before we've done anything. The writer to Hebrews says this. He says, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money 
including greed, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any way or any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. I love that. To me, that just... I'm a dad, that just sounds like a father's heart. He's saying, listen, kids, get, just hear my heart here. I'm not gonna let you go. And when, when this is settled in our heart, we, it frees us to begin to be good stewards and to use what God's given us with freedom and with wisdom and with understanding. The writer carries on and says, so we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. I will not fear or dread or be terrified. What can man do to me? Some of us, so many of us are sitting here today and we, our hearts are full of anxiety because we're concerned about the future. And God said, you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry. Now, a few weeks ago, we were talking in our series, Dream Small, and I was talking about establishing good habits. And I quoted a guy, um, James Clear, who wrote this incredible book, Atomic Habits. And he said this, he said, goals don't determine success, but systems determine success. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals, but you fall to the level of your systems. Here's the thing, for us to shift, our starting point is yes, we need to believe that God is our source, but then we gotta do something. And here's the good news, and this is what we're gonna speak about for the next couple of weeks, is that God's got a system that leads us into freedom, leads us into blessing, leads us into, into peace and rest concerning our finances. And so if, if that is true, and if God will provide for us, what should we do with our money? Well, here's the first step in God's system. The first step is to begin to tithe. And as I say that word, for some of us, it's just like a swear word, because Mark, I've heard that for so many years. Well, would you just share God's heart? Because again, it's not what God wants from you, but it's what God wants for you. Because God wants to lead you out of a place where money is a place of anxiety and stress and fear and frustration and discontent to a place of blessing and joy and celebration. And step one, the place we start is by tithing. You see, the first, God in, the first step in God's system to free you from this influence and the slavery that mammon brings, that the deception of mammon brings, is to tithe. And we introduce to tithe, you say, what is a tithe? Well, it, it, the word means 10%, and we introduce to it um, way before the law. Many people say, well, you know, this is an Old Testament, I mean, a, a law thing, and we're not under the law. Well, we're not under the law, but this is not a law thing. It, it was introduced 430 years before God gave the law to, to Moses. And there's a story where Abraham, of the father of faith, he, he's gone out and he's, he's rescued his cousin Lot. And um, when they're coming back, they've got all the spoils. And he meets this guy by the name of Melchizedek. And the scripture goes like this. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of the God Most High. And he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. You see, God put in Abraham's hand to, this was a response, it was a, part, it was a, it was a worshipful response to this, this, this king who's a, who's a picture of who Jesus is. And it, this tithe, is, is a, is a, it's an eternal principle. It's not a religious exercise. It's not an Old Testament principle, but it's an eternal principle like gravity. You don't have to do it, because you don't have to do anything. But there's great blessing and it's, the, it's our first step of stepping into the freedom that God has designed and prepared for us regarding our finances. 
Let me tell you what a tithe is not. This is so important because I hear this all the time. A tithe is not the solution to all your financial problems, okay? It's not what it is. So many people say, I've been tithing, but now, no, no, it's not, it's not a solution to all your financial problems. Tithing is the right thing to do, but don't put your faith in tithing. Put your faith in Jesus, okay? Yes, we should tithe, but don't put your faith in that action. Put your faith in Jesus. Tithing does not improve your relationship, your right standing with God. God loves people who tithe the same as people who don't tithe. You have the same favor upon your life. Yes, it positions you for some stuff, but God doesn't love you anymore. Tithing does not remove a financial curse on your life. If you feel like you had a financial curse on your life, and I'll read a scripture that maybe implies that, tithing doesn't remove that. It's not how you remove a curse. So let's consider just, just two re- reasons. There's many reasons to tithe, but I just want to mention two. The first is it is a test. You see, everything about our finances is about is about trust. It's about being trustworthy to God, being trustworthy with what He's entrusted, with, entrusted us with, and it's about trusting God and putting our hope and our trust in Him, having faith in God that He will provide, and He will give us the wisdom and the grace. It's a two-way trust. And God says to us, He says, test me in this. And let me read the scripture from Malachi. He says, return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? And God says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, these are strong words that God's speaking Friends, here's the thing. We're not under a law. We're not under a law. But God invites us. A tithe is not a command. It's an invitation. Because God knows that when we step into that place, when we, when we, when we begin to step into the system that he's provided for us, we will begin to live in the freedom and the blessing that comes with that. We read those words um, that this nation is cursed Okay, and another way of saying this curse is, is, is its consequences. You see, God, God's not punishing these people. We are not cursed by God, but, when we, but we choose a way that leads to certain consequences. It's like saying, to, you know, God, God says, I love you. I love you, and if you take drugs, I still love you, but those drugs are going to hurt you. There's going to be consequences. They're going to damage you, and it's the same thing. You see, we are not punished for our sins, but we are punished by our sins. And so often we're living in a place, and many of us live with this confusion that, of guilt and frustration in our finances because we, we feel like maybe we need to be doing more. If we give more, then God will help. No, no, no. We'll talk more about those principles, but the starting point is God is your source. And he says the first way we begin to step out from under this influence of this false God called mammon is we begin to tithe. We begin to tithe. And a tithe is... 10%, and it comes to the, the storehouse, the local church. That's what, we, that's, that's what the tithe is. The second reason is, is that we should tithe is simply because Jesus said that we should. And again, many will say, well, hang on, is, is that really true for now in the new covenant? Well, Jesus said this. He is talking to some religious leaders. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay the tithe of mint and anise and, and cumin and, have, and neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. 
And then he says, these you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. In other words, he endorses tithing. You should tithe, but you should also do all these other things. That should be a good enough reason for us to tithe because Jesus says we should. But again, Jesus doesn't need your money. It's not because he wants something for you, but it's because he understands that when we step into these principles, we step into freedom and blessing. Many people have said, what really is the purpose of tithing? Well, in Deuteronomy, it says this, the purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God first in your lives. And, and, and I found that to be true. I found that to be true. Because here's the thing, to tithe takes faith. To tithe is so much about trusting God. Because for, for most of us, if not all of us, we don't have 10% of our income lying around that we don't know what to do with. <laughs> Am I right? You know, we don't have that. It's a challenge. It's scary. It takes courage. It takes faith. Mandy and I have tithed our whole lives. It still takes faith and it takes courage to do that. But we believe that because we've seen God's blessing and favor as a result of it. Our lives are so blessed, but it's not because we tithe. We're blessed because we have a generous, loving dad, a heavenly father who really does care and really is concerned. Friends, the part of tithing that so often we miss, and, and, and for many of us here, we've tithed for many years, and I, and I really trust that you'll hear God's heart in this. Why should, how should we tithe? Well, I said in the beginning, the first step is not we want to become tithers. We don't just want to tithe, and there's a difference. You say, what's the difference? Well, there's a story in Genesis that, that kind of explains this for us. Let me read it to us. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. These are two brothers. The best portion of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out, because sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. What's going on here? You see, God has challenged man's now many times around this principle of not just tithing, but being tithers. And the term here, time for harvest, that we read in the story, it, it, what it means is a time for tithing. These two brothers were bringing a tithe to God. The one was accepted and the other one wasn't, and for one, for one reason. And there's lots of debate around this, but the one brought it with joy and thanksgiving and by faith, brought the best. The other one brought it with a wrong attitude, and there was no faith. And, and we understand this when we read this, because that, that line that says, if you do what is right... Translated means if you adjust your attitude. And God says to, 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 to him, listen, if you adjust your attitude, if you, just, if, you bring that, if you adjust your attitude, if you bring your tithe with joy, if you bring it by faith, if you bring it with freedom, it's going to be accepted. He says, but if you don't, he says, be careful because sin is crouching at the door. And, and we've had times where we've tithed intentionally and we've given to God really intentionally with joy and celebration. There's times that we've just done it. And sometimes we've done it kind of with no intention at all. And, and I want to encourage you, it's not about the tithe because God doesn't need it, but it's more about the attitude that we bring it because God smiles over that and God rejoices over that. God rejoices over that. Friends, when we bring a tithe to God, do it with a great attitude. Won't the music team come up?
See, one of the things I love most in all my traveling, and I spend a lot of time in rural communities, especially in Central Africa, and I've always been challenged by this. For most of those churches that I've been in, most of those gatherings, when it's time to take an offering or time to, to bring tithes, it's the biggest celebration moment of the service. There's dancing and there's cheering and there's singing and there's just this great celebration that takes place. And I've often looked at this and thought, God, I'm, I'm challenged because I don't bring my, offer, my offering to you with the same joy so often. I don't always bring my tithe to you with the same celebration. But there's something about gratitude when we come to God. God tells us that he loves a cheerful giver. And, and, I, and I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this morning. Would you begin to acknowledge God as your source, not the vehicle that maybe he uses, not your job and your boss and your, your, your investments and whatever else, your business, but would you begin to actively acknowledge that God is your source? Because he wants to meet you in that place and he wants to give you a fresh understanding here. What are the takeaways from this morning? You see, we can talk about this stuff, but at the end of the day, I know that, that for, for many of us, most of us, there's this angst, there's this discomfort around money. Like that, that, that guy in that, in that house that, that was so angry and so bitter and so wound up and didn't know what was going on inside of him because he was responding and reacting out of a broken relationship. Friends, let us not live out of a broken relationship with money, but let God restore our relationship with money that it would honor God and that it would be a blessing to us. What are the takeaways? The first is here, there's a battle for your heart. You better believe it, there's a battle for your heart. And who are you gonna give your heart to? You'll know where your treasure is. And God said, man, I came to give you life and life in abundance. The second thing is know your source. Man, he's faithful. And when I say know your source, don't just know where your, your source or who your source is, but know him, know God, know, know him intimately. Peter says that God has given us everything for living and leading a godly life. And we, and we have this by knowing Him. It's known by experience. It's known by relationship. And this is why my prayer is that you would hear God speak to you in your own heart this morning because He loves to speak to us. The third thing is work the system. And I don't mean that from a manipulation point of view, but I'm saying God's got a system that leads us into to life and freedom and blessing. And the first step is tithing. And we're going to talk about the other steps in, um, in, in the weeks to come. But work the system. Use what God's put in your hands. And lastly, just take the first step. On your chairs, and maybe there aren't enough for everyone. We seem to have used a lot. There's some cards. And, and, and we, they, they, it's just a little card that says Bank on God. And it's, it's a Bank on God challenge. And on the back, there's some, there's some information. And all of this, the only reason this, this, is a, this is a reminder. It's a reminder to say, hey, why don't you commit? Why don't you put yourself to the test and put God to the test? Because he says you can test me. So I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to tithe. I'm going to trust that God is my source. And I'm going to say, God, I don't know how. This is going to be scary. This is going to be, this is a faith journey. But I'm, I'm going to begin to step into this principle. I'm going to begin to apply this system that you have set in place. Because I want to walk in freedom. I don't want to be defensive around finances with my wife and with my friends and with my boss. I don't want to feel guilty but I want to enjoy everything you've given me. I want to step out from under that, all that scratchiness around finance, around money. I don't want to be fearful and anxious about my future anymore. I don't want to be given to compulsive 
shopping and buying, whatever it is that you find yourself in. Take that, put it in your wallet. Talk to God about it. Let Him speak to you. But my encouragement is God's encouragement is tithing is an invitation, an invitation to step into freedom. Why don't you do that? Friends, won't you stand to your feet? I want to pray for us. Last week, last week Graham preached a great message about finding your war cry, about making a declaration to God. And this morning, I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing that song, Raise a Hallelujah. And Hallelujah means praise God. And I just have such a sense in my heart as, as we recognize that there's more going on behind the scenes and as we acknowledge God as the true God and Jesus Christ is the only God, He is our God. As we acknowledge Him and we raise our voices as a praise and acknowledgement to Him, let us do it by faith, knowing that all these other things would fall away, that the chains and the, and the, the, the deceptions and, and the things that enslave us would, would be broken and that we would walk in freedom when it comes to finances. So let me pray for us. Father, I thank You this morning. Lord, I thank you that as each one of us stand here, Lord, that you would just speak into our hearts. Lord, that you would show us where we're living in reaction to the influence of this false God called Mammon. Lord, we want to honor you and we want to, we want to trust you. Lord, we want to live in the freedom that you have given us. Lord, would you show us. And Lord, where we put our trust in anything or, or any, anyone other than you for our financial provision. When we've looked to anyone or anything other than you as our source, Lord, would you forgive us? Would you forgive us for that? And if that's you where you are, won't you talk to God about that and just say, God, I'm sorry, but I'm going to look to you. I acknowledge you as my provider. I'm going to choose not to be fearful about the future, but I'm going to look to you. And Father God, I just thank you that as we do that and as we step in to this place of freedom that you have for us, as we sing this declaration, Lord, would you just cause fear and anxiety and shame and guilt and stress around finance to just be removed in the name of Jesus.